African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us once again right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue, where we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, my name is Benjamin Mushatama. I'll be with you for this next hour on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Also online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, well um, today we're going to be looking at an interesting conversation, looking at uh, uh, the National Prosecuting Authority, which says the Vicky Momberg judgment sets a precedent for other racial-related cases. Uh, we know that there was a lady who was sentenced to an effective two years in prison. However, the sentencing of the former estate agent has raised debate about the differences in the sentences various courts have imposed for crimes for similar incidents. Last year, Momberg was uh, uh, found guilty on four counts of crimen injury in connection with her um, uh, racist rant when she lashed out at a police officer who had helped her after an alleged uh, smash and grab incident in a video clip that went viral Mombo could be heard complaining about the caliber of blacks and also using the k-word various times in that altercation well to discuss uh, this particular topic we joined in our studios by Gashwell Brooks who's the co- co- uh, communications rather coordinator at the South African Human Rights Commission we also have on the line Zora Darwood who's the director of the Center for Unity and Diversity Michael Morris joins us at the head of media at the Institute of Race Relations. Now, I want to start with you, Gashwal, in our studio in terms of what President this sentence actually sets in terms of issues or uh, counts around criminal injuria. Uh, what was your take of this particular decision? Well, good morning to you and good morning to the listeners and, of course, uh, your other guests. I, I think that there's just one thing that I'd like to p- p- place into um, uh, into perspective, and that is obviously the involvement of the South African Human Rights Commission and we ent- where we entered the fray. We entered the fray in the preceding um, uh, processes, court processes, and that was at the quality court level. Because, of course, uh, we became aware of this video. As you know, it was a viral video that went around and we took the matter out of our, you know, our own initiative to the quality court on behalf of the police uh, officers concerned. Sure. Sure. that were racially abused. And that's where we were really involved. We weren't involved in the second process, which is the criminal process. Um, and obviously at the quality court uh, level, there was already um, a fine leveled against uh, Vicky Momberg as well as um, you know rehabilitative processes that she was assigned to, for example, um, you know, to make a public apology, um, to uh, do public service, and obviously to, uh, in essence, try to uh, show the society on the whole a that form she's of sorry. Remorse, yeah. Exactly that she's sorry and that she, yeah that she's remorseful for what she had done. Sure. Um, unfortunately, she's not complied with that. I mean, I, I have the dates and so forth, but the point is, is that she hasn't complied with it, and the commission is actually in the process of taking her back for contempt of court uh, proceedings on the basis that she obviously did not comply with what the equality court had demanded. Um, she said that she wasn't going to appeal it. It never happened. She never did the the, uh, the formal process to that. Now, second to this is obviously the police 
officer in this instance, one of them, I, I believe, took the matter to, um, uh, you know, laid a charge of criminal injuria. And that's a crime in itself. It's a separate crime. It's a criminal proceeding. He's the complainant. He took the matter there. And she was found guilty of four counts of criminal injuria, obviously leveled against, you know, for the abuse that she held against the four police officers that were present at the time. And yes, it does set a precedent, maybe not in the strictest legal sense that now every court going forward needs to uh, sentence people to uh, three years imprisonment, uh, one year suspended for criminal injuria. But I think that what one needs to understand is, are we dealing with a remorseful individual, number one? And I think that her um, actions based on the equality court proceeding already and even her action within the criminal court, within the equality court proceedings, definitely doesn't show that this was someone that was remorseful. And if I'm not mistaken, I mean, for the legal eagles out there, sure, very few people get imprisoned for criminal <laughs> injury, believe sure, me. Sure, definitely. Let, let me take that to our other guest, uh, Zora, on the line in terms of just the cementing of that argument that uh, Akashwal has made in terms of the process that led to this particular point, especially looking at this particular case, Zora. Uh, what what president does this outcome actually set, especially from a constitutional perspective, in whether we are actually protecting someone's rights or also uh, the issues that uh, people have been putting out in the public forum on social media saying how far can you go in terms of this issue of criminal injury what can you say what can you not say what defamatory words can actually take you to courts it seems like that's where the discussion is right now in the public arena so thank you very much benjamin i think tashwal has summed up the sequence of of uh, the case so it's not as if it sort of landed um, over the last couple of weeks. It's been going on for a long time. And there have been considered steps to afford Ms. Momberg the opportunity of reflecting on behaviors and addressing those. She chose not to do so in, in terms of, as your previous guest um, alluded to, there hasn't been a remorse. She hasn't demonstrated remorse. And I think the magistrate took a series of events and behaviors and attempts at remedial steps into account before the sentence. Mm. Um, so at, at one level that is, you know, the law followed and the constitution followed um, the vital legal steps. The second issue is that of what occurs outside of the court and particularly what occurs in the realm of social media. Sure. And I think that's what we must pause and, and reflect on. What does this arouse in people? Um, feelings and obviously very strong feelings have been aroused as a result of this incident. And I think for many people it is, you know, to say the K word once is once too often. Mm. But Judging from that video clip, the intensity of hate and the use over and over. And I think, you know, for me, it was the issue of a cop trying to help the woman and comfort her. And her response to that was incredibly shocking. So I think one has to look at, at the issue in terms of the legal context sure. and the other element, and that's the element we're witnessing on social media, is 
what are the range of feelings that this has aroused in a pretty sort of fragile public mm. where race relations are concerned? Well, that's also very interesting. Maybe then we might take that particular point Zora is highlighting, especially because of uh, the various considerations that are being taken with this particular case, whether it's her remorsefulness, whether it's the nature of her outbursts in terms of the tonality of it, and also the fact that uh, uh, she actually didn't actually follow many uh, suggestions that were made by the various uh, uh, legalistic processes there followed after afterwards this event michael but it poses a question of uh, the variability of the kind of uh, forms of uh, outbursts we can actually take to court because that is a debate that i even heard this morning from uh, another radio station where they were discussing that range of uh, kind of insults what kind of cases can you now take to the courts? Uh, can you take it for homosexual insults? Can you take it for issues that have to do with uh, um, uh, whether you call uh, someone else uh, uh, a shorty or whatever, whatever inferences you make to someone that might discriminate towards them? Um, that's the question that is now in people's minds. Good morning, Benjamin. Yes, indeed, and good, good morning to fellow participants. I, I certainly agree with, um, with my fellow contributors that uh, you know the lack of remorse uh, on the one hand and the particularly egregious uh, incident that uh, that gave rise to this case um, does uh, does uh, place it into a category perhaps all its own. Um, and while while we certainly uh, believe that, that, that if, if we are to uh, to sustain our uh, our uh, tradition of free speech and the and the importance of it um, that we need to be ex- extremely mindful of, of of the limits that the the constitution uh, sets out um, those being primarily that, uh, that that speech is is not protected if it is uh, if it amounts to propaganda for war incitement of imminent violence or advocacy of hatred uh, based on race ethnicity gender religion and so on um, that uh, you know, they, they, they clearly, uh, clearly in this case, the court felt that uh, the sentence was uh, was was required, was was uh, was desirable, and and opted for that option. Um, some would regard it as harsh. Um, I suspect opinion will will continue to be divided, but I'm sure that most South Africans agree that such behaviour is completely unacceptable. Um, and um, and whatever the differences of opinion may be. Um, a very clear signal has been sent. Um, our, our view, I think, is that the sentence is doubt, make, makes this doubtless a, a landmark case, but perhaps more than that, a benchmark case. Um, and it's probably really up to society to judge, and society will be judging um, the, the prosecuting authorities' uh, uh, willingness in, in, in going forward to pursue such matters, all such matters, mm-hmm. in a properly unprejudiced way. Um, in line with um, democratic South Africa's commitment to non-racialism.
Well, we're going to take a quick break. I think that's a good start to the conversation. I know that in the past we've had various cases that have been called before the Equality Court, especially for people in terms of racist comments. We had the uh, Penny Sparrow issue of calling blacks on a beach monkeys, Julius Malema uh, for seeing uh, Shoot the Boer, and uh, also they, they, they got away with slap on the wrist. Uh, uh, in, in this context, how do these different cases actually fit in in terms of uh, uh, this particular issue. We'll look at them from a historical perspective and also just try to justify each uh, um, outcome for each of these cases. Was it valid? Was it justified for each? You're listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'm not alone in our studios. I'm joined by Gashwell Brooks, who's the communications coordinator at the South African Human Rights Commission. Also, we've got Zora Darwood joining us once again here on our program from the Center for Unity and Diversity. He's the director there. And Michael Morris is the head of media at the Institute of Race Relations. Are we discussing this uh, uh, Vicky Momberg uh, uh, sentence of uh, two years in prison and uh, we know she was uh, uh, pre- basically charged for three years but they annulled one year in, in that particular context and what does this actually set a president for in terms of the legal system and also for society as a whole in South Africa we know that racism is a big big issue that polarizes the country well uh, before the break I was speaking about those various uh, uh, cases here, Gashwal, in terms of the Penny mm. Sparrow case, you called blacks on uh, uh, monkeys, the Julius Malema, shoot the boer, and you were just telling me, as I mentioned, that did they get away with uh, a slap on the wrist, and you were trying to say uh, there's, there's various justifications for each of these particular cases. Exactly. Mm. I mean, if we look at, uh, let's start with uh, Penny Sparrow. Um, if I'm not mistaken, she was fined approximately 150,000. I can't remember the exact amount, but she sure. was fined about 150,000 rands by the Equality Court. Mm. Uh, if we look at um, uh, Vicky Momberg, the case at hand, she was fined 100,000 rands by the Equality Court. And what the issue is, is with uh, Penny Sparrow, she went back, she showed that she, the, you know, she made, made representations, uh, basically said that this in 150,000 rands, as, as much as this is a punitive fine, sure. can't afford this. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that the legal system doesn't want to bankrupt me. But mm. apart from that, I'm remorseful. Sure. I've learned my lesson in whatever form that is. I'm going to comply with this judgment. So obviously, in, under those circumstances, the courts um, you know, um, felt that she was remorseful enough, that her representations were fair enough, and they reduced the fine. Mm. And, and and even if you look at um, about 150,000 rands, I think for any ordinary South African is not a slap on the wrist. Even if you're a billionaire, no mm. one wants to pay 150,000 rands for you know, for, for an utterance that you made. And the same applies to uh, Vicky Momberg in this mm. instance. She was fined 100,000 rands. 
and and, and at that level already it's it's a severe legal consequence sure. right and on top of it the commission um is as the south african human rights commission we're going back to the court and saying mm-hmm. that while well, she's in contempt because she claimed that she was going to she as far back as july last year mm-hmm. uh she said that she was going she, her intention was to um, you know, to appeal this process. Mm. Um, by November, she hadn't done anything. Mm. Uh, January, um, you know, we 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 received correspondence from her uh, where she said that uh, they, she had delayed, uh, you know, her reasons for delaying. And then we said to her, listen, by the eighth of March, um, if if you haven't come back to us and you know, uh, say, uh, you know, if if by the eighth of March you should have given us reasons for the delay, sure, sure. The sixth of April is the last extension, which is this coming Friday. Otherwise, after that, we're taking a, on contempt of court proceedings. Mm. So what I'm saying is, is that we need to understand that there's a case-by-case, what we call in law, case-by-case analysis. You look at sure. every case, at mm. every individual case. And its merits. Sure. And its merits. And I mean, if you look at criminalinuria, I mm. think that if you, as a radio host, and mm. I think it's a brilliant example, mm. as a radio host, you might say something on air mm. that is a crime, uh, you know, that c- could be construed as uh, a commission of the crime of criminalinuria. Sure. Um, chances are, if you go to court and you're remorseful and you don't give the court an, uh, you know, a hard, an unnecessarily hard time and you're cooperative, mm. you would probably be subjected to a fine at most, sure, uh, sure. you know, a suspended sentence at most. Mm. It's very unique mm. and strange for someone to be given a custodial sentence for sure, criminal injury, sure. which only suggests that this is per- someone that didn't cooperate in this particular instance. And I think that as for your earlier and question... And that clarification is important because yeah. there is a, a public misunderstanding that if someone just says a foul word towards someone, they can just be charged and sentenced, exactly. and that's not the case. Sure. And, and then this is the last thing that I just quickly wanted to address, sure, sure. is that there are obviously two separate processes that we need to recognize. Mm-hmm. The Equality Court and the Equality Act, as well right. as the Constitution, gives sure. us prohibited grounds on which um, you can't say certain things and, and uh, without committing a, um, committing an act of hate speech. Sure, sure. So obviously, if I'm going to say inflammatory and discriminatory things on the basis of race, sexual orientation, you know, and the the prohibited grounds are listed: sure. someone's religion, disability, mm. age, sure. and so forth. Mm. It's both in the constitution as well as in the Equality Act. Mm. Then I'm committing an act of hate speech, mm. right? Um, and there's also other grounds. Am I trying to incite violence towards a particular sure, group? Sure. Am I being hurtful and harmful? If it complies with those things, then yeah, well, you're going to find yourself in trouble with the Equality Court. Mm. Criminal injuria, the criminal issue, is mm. a separate issue. Ah. And that separate issue, the key question is, are you infringing on someone's dignity through what you're saying, okay. or what you've written, or what you've done, you know, as, sure, as an act sure. towards that individual? Mm. And if you're guilty, mm. then you've committed that particular crime. And then the criminal um, the process then applies in that instance. So I'm just trying to mm. uh, outline. It's not... We, we offend each other, we sure, upset sure, each other, sure. but it doesn't mean that if I'm remotely offensive to someone, sure. so I mentioned something about your height, then that now uh, is going to put me in, in, definitely, in, uh, behind definitely. bars for two years. Well, let me bring that to you, Michael, in terms of asking the question of the necessity of these particular processes that Gashwal has uh, very well uh, highlighted in terms of is it necessary someone would say should we have a society that safeguards us in this particular manner especially because there's a contradiction because we always speak of freedom of speech versus such issues of versus discriminatory statements that can be made in the context of South Africa how important are these processes I think we've lost Michael there, and we'll see if we can get him back. Uh, we think we're having some gremlins in the system today. But let me come to you, Zora. What are your thoughts of that question? 
Um, Benjamin, can you just repeat that or just sum it up for me? Yeah, I was just asking, you know, um, Gashwa was highlighting the differences between the equality court and also when you put a case forward of crimin, uh, criminal injuria into uh, a court system. Uh, I was asking the question, is it necessary to have such processes that safeguard society? Is it necessary in a polarized environment such as ours to have that kind of necessity versus the constitutionalism that we've have in the country where freedom of speech is also a very much upheld quality in our society? Okay. I, I think one has to be quite clear that the Constitution and law are clear that it's, you know, if there's an incitement to hate and incitement to war, etc. Those go beyond simply awarding freedoms of speech, association, sure. etc. And in this case, specifically, the nature of... This was really a hate crime. Um, the articulation and the delivery of such, and I think equally the fact that she was given endless opportunities to demonstrate remorse. So it's, it's really the, the, the culmination of, of many steps that has resulted in this action. But certainly, in terms of the law, there are ample provisions to pursue um, in terms of offence to dignity, um, etc. Michael, what are your thoughts? Let me bring it to you in terms of your perspective, in terms of, you know, in a time where we are 20 years into our democracy, what does this issue, especially now that it's coming into the realm of the legal space, um, what does this reflect about our society as a whole? Indeed. Uh, I'm sorry I went dead there for a moment. Uh, sure, no, no problem. some of the, the conversation. But, sure. um, I, you know, I think um, all, all law is, 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 is arguable, but one thing that does strike one as being very clear is that, I, that there's an immense frustration um, across society at the continuing arrogance of racists who feel that they can simply uh, use uh, hurtful and deeply offensive language um, whenever they choose to with impunity. And, um, and I think in, in that context, uh, one, can, one can appreciate the, the court's decision to send a very clear signal. Um, our, our anxiety would probably focus on the risk that, that, that we regard offensively as, as hate speech, and not, and not everything that is offensive um, is, is, is healthily removed from right. our conversation. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we certainly think. And, and not least because it, it's important for us to be able to confront um, opinions which we disagree with very strongly or which indeed we regard as, as hateful. Um, and it, it, it's, it, is, it is difficult, but we, we, we certainly think it's, it's, it's important to maintain as, as broad a, a spectrum of free speech as possible. Um, but having said that, one certainly understands the, the immense frustration, as I mm. say, at, at the continuing arrogance of people using, using racist speech. Um, it, it seems to us, in fact, that, um, that, that rather than, in fact, pursuing legal remedies, what is chiefly required is a much more effective effort in the policy sphere to, to tackle um, the, the poverty, unemployment, and inequality, which 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 are really probably the drivers of of, uh, of host, hostile mm-hmm. uh, sentiment and antagonism, um, 
but uh, I'm not quite sure if we're ready to, to <laughs> move into that aspect of the discussion. Sure, um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm interested in, in, let's go into it. Why not? What are your thoughts on that? My, mine? Yes. Yeah, right. Um, well, it, 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 it's, it's informed in part um, by our most recent polling, which, which suggests, in fact, that South Africans more or less agree with, with what our, our feeling is, is that in, in this particular case, a uh, poll done late last year, that 80% of all respondents and 77, 77% of, of, of black respondents agreed that better education, more jobs would in time make the present differences between the races steadily disappear. Mm. Um, and I don't think anyone's under any illusions that, that, that racism as a, as a particularly pernicious human trait is, mm. is erasable or necessary. But, uh, but certainly that, um, that, 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 that if everybody feels that they have a stake in this society um, and, and in fact, is then given a kind of more equivalent voice, so to speak, in the, in the conversation, mm. that it's very likely that we will have much more uh, amicable uh, relations. Um, so it, uh, that, that, that's certainly what, what we feel is, 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 is very important. And also, of course, ditching the, the constant um, recourse to, to, to racially inspired rhetoric and sure. uh, racial nationalism. Which does tend to um, to emphasise divisions mm. rather than uh, all the things that we share. Mm. Coming back to you, um, Gashul, in terms of um, you know the work that the Human Rights Commission does. I mean, I'm reading this rape report that was released earlier this year. It says the commission noted that the 2015-2016 financial year it received a total of up to 749 equality-related complaints with up to 500 of which were uh, on the grounds of race. Mm-hmm. That's a very high number of complaints for an organization. You guys are not the biggest organization in the country. Is, you know, and, you know, their resources are very confined. How bad is the situation here in terms of the kind of complaints that uh, are like of this nature? So as I was explaining earlier on um, the equality um, clause, in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, Chapter 2 of the Constitution, Section 9. It outlines uh, numerous bases on which you can't unfairly discriminate, uh, discriminate against people. It also you know, prohibited grounds. So, as I said, it's race, sex, sexual orientation, gender, religion, um, disability, age, just to mention a couple of, uh, you know, a few of them, their pregnancy and so forth. Um, and out of all of those categories, um, you know, then you cluster together all your, the complaints related to equality that we receive. And uh, as you would assume that they would be, you know, uh, 10 year, 20 day and so forth. But we find that 505 of them alone out of 749 are based on race. That's crazy. And that is from the 2015-2016 financial year. So it tells us two things. That yes, there is still a lot of grappling that we have to do in terms of race relations and how people actually relate to each other on, on the basis of race. But second to that, that people are aware of their rights. They are able to approach sure. uh, the South African Human Rights Commission. And you said that we're not the biggest organization. We have less than 200 people uh, nationwide. Uh, we have 10 offices. The head office, obviously, in Bramfontein, is along with uh, the Gauteng office, which is the other office. And then, obviously, eight other offices throughout the provinces. And that makes up our 10 offices. So um, it's not the largest outfit, but obviously, as a, as a Chapter 9 institution, specifically tasked with uh, promoting, monitoring, and protecting um, you know the the uh, attainment of human rights um, as set out in Chapter Two of the Constitution. Where are, getting, where are we getting things wrong, though? 
Um, because from your analysis, yeah. from a human rights perspective, as someone who engages with these issues every day and you grapple with uh, the variation of these particular cases, mm. how do you grapple with where we're getting things wrong? Is it because of the national climate from a political perspective? Or is it because the Rainbow Nation notion that we no longer hang out in rugby fields anymore together uh, mm. is something that's a kind of uh, fizzled out as a as a gathering thing that makes us all fuzzy inside? What are your thoughts? That, where are we getting this whole thing wrong? Well, I mean, if you look at this conversation, for example, we're looking and we're focusing on the punitive re- nature of what happened. And I'm saying it's a very important conversation, sure, but it's sure. not the only thing that solves the problem. Sure. Um, because you, you can't just legislate away and punish away racism. Because if you're going to try that approach, all that you're going to do is you're going to make sure that people that have outbursts like these make sure that the next time there's no cell phone cameras around, the next time that they don't do it in a public space and that they'll rather do it in the privacy of their own four walls. And it doesn't actually take the problem away. The racism is still there. It's just now that it's hidden. Um, that's the first issue. The second issue, which means that, yes, punitive measures are important, but they're not the only solution and that we really have to have you using your uh, analogy from you know the rugby field analogy is that we do need to cross the the, the boundaries and 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 relate to each other as south africans on on various d- differences that we do have because even if we do tackle race there's still class there's still um, uh, gender, there's still sexual orientation, all kinds of other differences that South Africans have with each other and don't always are accommodating to or accepting of. And, and uh, the commission is in the process of trying to you know, engage in those processes along with civil society business sure. and uh, you know, everyone in government needs to get involved. And unfortunately, yes, you, I think you're 100% correct. Uh, politicians do use race baiting and mm. they use race as a means of creating difference and many other categories and so do we find that in business uh, we also find it in, in many other spheres mm. of society mm. well uh, Zora your thoughts I think the point I absolutely agree with the point that Michael made earlier about and we need to fully explore the nexus between poverty inequality and the rise of racism or other forms of discrimination and I think as a society you know again and again recently the World Bank released its report South Africa on any number of indices comes out of the bottom of the pile in terms of inequality and and poverty and those are key features of a discussion I don't think it's singular in in how we look at the issue of race and the manifestations of race but I think it is a key feature of how people internalize an other, the other. Um, Mm. And I'd like for us to have a considered discussion about the nexus between all of those issues. Um, I often think about in times of abundance, Mm. economic abundance, etc., Um, is there a a more even-handedness in how we deal with each other versus a time where people are feeling increasingly strained economically and how does that manifest in terms of social relations? Mm. Does everyone sort of go into their lager and others, you know, and and creates other categories? Um, So it's it's the whole notion of the kind of pyramid of... of, um, human relations uh, and how people vent at sort of immediate uh, and potential victims. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that's an important issue. And my concern is that 
as South Africans increasingly feel um, under pressure economically, what will be outlets for for that pressure? One mm. can't always sort of revert to um, engaging the state. That's a mammoth entity. Mm. But at a human level, at a very micro level, what are those manifestations of of unhappinesses in a whole range of, of spheres. And I think, with the, and I'm not in any form condoning what had happened mm. um, with Vicky Momberg or a range of other things, but I think when you look at racial outbursts, uh, I often ask what is behind that outburst? What are people responding to? You know, often these sure. outbursts are code for something, and what are, what is it code for in in a in a macro sense as well? Is it because we live in a society more and more now where classifications are becoming something we are aligning to, and you know, the, the, by classification I mean hierarchy of where we sit in the social status, Michael, and maybe that's where things could actually, uh, because there's shifts in all those dynamics, whether it's social class, uh, whether it's um, uh, the makeup within a a management team in the boardroom, or whether of uh, who's driving what car down the road, all those identifications and how we classify each other are rapidly changing in such a short space of time. And maybe we're having a hard time grappling with those changes. Yes, indeed, and I, I certainly certainly agree with with with, with Zora's point. Um, you know, and, and essentially what you're highlighting is is these levels of of inequality. Essentially, people feeling that they are uh, not in a in a in a in an equitable situation, but they are placed uh, at a disadvantage to others. Um, it, it reminds me, in a way, of of of, uh, of, of some of the xenophobic uh, out, outbreaks in the past, sure. where there was perhaps a tendency. Of, People rather simplistically to think that, that South Africans were were somehow particularly predisposed to to xenophobia, mm-hmm. um, and and clearly you know that that, that, that certainly wasn't the case. There were, there were particular material circumstances which which led to this this uh, this outburst or the channeling of that that frustration and, and anger um, in in most unfortunate ways. But mm-hmm. I, I think behind it, as Zora says, is. Um, is a, a sense among people of, uh, of, of frustration or, 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 or a, 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 a grave anxiety about their personal circumstances, which prompts um, intolerance and so on. So, mm-hmm. so yes, uh, we, we, we would certainly certainly feel that, um, that to tackle um, inequality and, and poverty would, would be a major advance on uh, on improving all South African sense of, of being a, a common society and having a common stake and common interests. Um, I think, sure. you know, well-being breeds tolerance mm. and and, um, and familiarity too, you know, and, and it's that much harder to be, um, even if you have some innate uh, resistance to another tribe or another mm. colour, another creed, if you are familiar with them and you share a lot with them, it's, it's unlikely that you're going to be, uh, to be violent or, or, or nasty. Gosh, well, let's come back to this Vicky Momberg situation and, and this particular sentence. Is it good for South Africa's legal arms and for organizations such as yours that are trying to entrench a more positive human rights patterns 
in, in, in the country? Well, um, I mean, just going back to what you, you know, what Michael and Zora had said. I mean, I, ca- I can't help but agree with them because what they're talking about is substantive equality. You know, you, you um, and then substantive equality does address, um, you know, socioeconomic rights and uh, levels of, um, you know, how people socially and economically relate to each other, and whether there's real and true equality. And if if that real and true equality doesn't exist, it creates strain. So yes. Um, those are issues that also need to be addressed. Um, and, and, and I think that what we do need to do is, is that we need to just take a deep breath and think about this in, in, in as much as this is a precedent, and I think it's a welcomed precedent from the perspective that it sets out a, a template, a starting point for us to work from. Um, it doesn't mean that it's compelling and, uh, you know, that the high court has to follow suit if something similar happens. And um, if if Ms. Momberg, for example, does appeal her sentence and gets gra- gra- gets granted leave to appeal, uh, the High Court sets the precedent depending on whatever decision they make going forward. But the fact of the matter is is that this gives us an opportunity to sit back at the moment, for the moment, and to sit and reflect and say that, hang on, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to a- commit an act of hate speech, if I'm going to infringe on someone else's dignity um, and commit an act similar to this, that these are the real consequences towards it. So it does become a deterrent, um, and that is part of what the criminal justice system aims to do. Um, those sentences that you hear, whether it be for murder, for rape, for any other crime that you can think of, and someone gets, uh, you know, 25 years and, um, you know, they're going to spend a long time in prison, the whole idea is to deter the rest of society from that. So this is good from that perspective. But I think um, in addressing the broader issue, uh, you know, you're, you're, the, the two other guests are 100% correct. We do need to deal with sure. substantive equality, and we also do need to deal with the fact that at the moment, we do retreat to our yeah. various groups, so whether it is uh, on a national basis yeah, and we have yeah. a problem with uh, non-nationals, um, whether it be on the basis of gender, yeah. or, you know, uh, sexual orientation or any other category that you can think of, and race being the most dominant, yeah. um, we do retreat into those spaces and we do need to start opening up those avenues and start having us living in this country uh, you know, mm. together. Sure. We need to. Well, very interesting uh, way to end the conversation. Started from one point, and I think uh, it took its own nature and, and direction. But I thank the guests for giving us their time here on Channel Africa. Thank you to Gushwell Brooks uh, joining us uh, from the South African Human Rights Commission. He is the communications coordinator there. Thank you to Michael Morris, head of media at the Institute of Race Relations in South Africa, and Zora Darwood. Thank you for also giving us your time. Once again, here on our program, the director at the Center for Unity and Diversity. Very robust, very multifaceted discussion indeed. You'd think it's just one dimensional about what someone says. But it's funny how what someone says can actually unpack so many socio, uh, is- sociological issues about uh, people and where they come from, the context of their environment. So it has been a very interesting conversation. Well, that's how we wrap it up for this week. Remember, we'll be back next week monday same place same time right here on channel africa let's end it with some music this is uh, yosondo and nene cherry this one is titled seven seconds until next time god bless Mon estimant, l'inestimant
Je vois pour qu'il le vit, des infos qui ne divisent pas. Changer, 